focus on the birthday. As we look at Advent, there's a part of us that needs to look back at the birth of Christ. We need to look forward for the return of Christ. But at the same time, we need to live in the moment. How many of you get so wound up about the past that you miss what's going on right now? How many of you get so wound up about what could or what might happen in the future that you miss what's happening right now? It's like a little kid who doesn't enjoy the moment because they want to know what's going to happen next. Well, I want to challenge us today. The title of my sermon, quite simply, is Look Back, Look Around, Look Forward. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 25. Our three for the road, number one is look back. Look back. So let's look at this story. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, a very famous story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, meaning Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now this guy is not a lawyer as in he practices law. He's a rabbinic lawyer in that he has studied the, the, the Torah. He would know the Scriptures in and out. He would be highly educated. And he comes to ask a theological question. Hey Jesus, where does the rubber hit the road? How do I get eternal life? Because of his stature and who he is, Jesus answers him in that same fashion. Jesus says, what is written in the law, what is your reading of it? In that culture, one of the things they would do is they would read a scripture, and whoever read the scripture would give their opinion on that scripture, but then they might open it up and say, well, Len, what is your reading of this? What is your understanding? And they would go back and forth on it. This is where real learning happens. What's the old scripture? It says, iron what? Sharpens what? Iron. And that's why we should get together and talk about these things, because we can sharpen one another. So often we want to look at things and go, okay, well, I'm right and Dawn's wrong. No, no, no. Maybe I'm right and maybe I'm also wrong. Maybe Dawn's right and maybe she's also wrong. But together maybe we can come to a better, fuller understanding. That's how Scripture should be read. Jesus says to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? The man gives a tremendous answer. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Guys, what do you think of that answer? It's a really good answer. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to answer Jesus really well, answer him with his own words. In Matthew 22, 37, I think we have that verse. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. How many people have ever read Cliff Notes? Cliff Notes take something big and complicated and make it small and understandable. Jesus just gave you the cliff notes for the entire Bible. Then this guy comes to Jesus and says, hey, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what's your understanding of the law? The guy goes, hey, you know, I've heard you speak before, so I'm going to give you back your own words. And he gives it right back to him. Have you ever heard the term stop while you're ahead? What does stop while you're ahead mean? 
it means shut your mouth. Because whatever's going to come out next is going to cause you trouble. So, Jesus answered and said, you have answered rightly. Hey guys, I'm going to tell you something. When you're standing before Jesus and he asks you a question and you answer it and he says, hey, good job. Just stop. Because it's only going to go downhill. He says to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. It's a high compliment. But let's make this hit home. Look back. Let's look back for a minute. Who saved humanity from the extinction through a flood? God did. Who did he use? Noah. Who saved the Jews from a murderous plot by Haman? God did. And he used Esther. Who killed Goliath? God did. And he used David. Who fed the 5,000? God did. And he used the disciples. God did all these things. It says in Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as, as you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, we need to wrestle with what does it look like. So Noah says, what does it look like to follow the Lord your God and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and understanding? There's a flood. God, lead me. What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all you've got when you're heading down in the valley of Elah, Elam, I'm sorry, the valley of Elam, to face a nine foot six giant? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and understanding. What does it look like when your very people are about to be executed and you're the queen and you're scared out of your wits? And Mordecai's going, Esther, you gotta do it. For such a time as this, you have been put in this moment. We have to wrestle with it. See, here's the thing about us as believers. We get ourselves in some sticky messes. How many of you have figured out, the older you get, that you're your own worst enemy? Who causes the bulk of trouble for you in your life, Paul? <laughs> yes. Yes. It, Paul, if you could make a, a wanted sign for the guy who causes the most trouble, you would take a selfie, print it out, and put it on the fridge. That's it. We create the most trouble for ourselves. But God loves us. So I thought, how can I explain this to you in a deep theological way? So I thought of one of the most incredible characters in all of humanity, and I came up with this guy. Eddie, put that slide up there. Here's my buddy, Winnie the Pooh. How many people love Winnie the Pooh when you're little? How many of you still love Winnie the Pooh? All right. I always think of his song he would sing in front of the mirror and he would do his exercises because the more he could exercise, the more he could eat. And he would say, I'm short, fat, and what? Proud of that. Winnie the Pooh. And he would bend over in his little tear, he would tear his bottom open and then he would have to restitch himself. But we're a little bit like Winnie the Pooh. We're adorable. God loves us. He cares a great deal about us. 
I believe that when the angels and everything look upon us, they look upon us and they just love us. They care about us so much. But like Wayne the Pooh, we get ourselves in a mess. How many people know what happened to Wayne the Pooh when he went to Rabbit's house? Eddie, put that next slide up there. Oh, bother. He went into Rabbit's house and he asked for just a smackerel of honey. And Rabbit put a little drop out of the jar on the plate and then put the jar down on the table. What did Pooh do? He pushed the plate to the side and he took the jar and stuck it over his mouth and stuck his head inside the jar and he ate all the honey. And then he ate another jar of honey. And then he ate another jar of honey, and then he ate every single thing that Rabbit had in his house. The problem is, is he gained so much weight that when it's time to leave, Pooh got stuck. He got himself in a mess. So they had to wait for Pooh to lose weight. And eventually when he lost weight, go ahead, Eddie, they bring all of his friends, and they say, Pooh, we're going to pull you out. And so everybody's stretching, everyone's pulling, and they pulled so hard, if you remember, Pooh flew through the air, and then he ended up where? Go ahead, Eddie. Stuck in a tree. And once he was stuck in a tree, do you think he's learned his lesson to watch what he's eating and not eat too much? We'll go to that last slide, Eddie. He's eating honey. Honestly, sometimes I think we're like Pooh Bear. God loves us. He cares for us. But boy, we get ourselves from one sticky mess to another. And as soon as we get out of that, we get stuck in something else. And in the ultimate irony is that while we're stuck from mess to mess, who do we blame? We blame God. We blame God for these things. And God goes, no, don't go there. Don't do, not too much. Not. And then we do all the things we're not supposed to do. And then we go, God, where are you in this? And God goes, I'm still cleaning up the last mess. I'll be there in a minute. One thing I think is important about looking back is you need to remember who you were B.C. days, before Christ came into your life. Do you remember those days? I was lonely even though I was surrounded by loved ones. I was hollow despite being filled. I was guilt-ridden despite being a good person. I was desperate despite being confident. These were my B.C. before Christ. I need to look back because I need to remember how void I was. Do you remember the first time you grasped God's love for you? I remember the first time I understood sin. Eddie, put that slide up. The first time I realized that when Jesus was on the cross, I was part of why he was up there. And as soon as I realized that, then all of a sudden you start to change. Because when you look back and you look at who you were before Christ and you look what Christ did for you, then it ignites you to change. It ignites you to be different. Why? Because the cost was so significant. Have you ever worked really hard on something or spent a lot of money on something and given it to someone and you felt like they treated it carelessly? Sometimes we do that with our faith. This Advent season, don't forget to look back at what not only the birth of Jesus Christ meant for the world, but for what Jesus Christ meant when he came into your life. 
don't forget. Don't forget. Let's keep going. Three for the road, number two. Look around. Look around. So, verse 28, Jesus answered and said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Verse 29, but wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now guys, there's a real problem here. First off, whenever someone is trying to justify themselves, that's not good. But there's an even bigger problem. I was reading about this this week. The guy says, well, who is my neighbor? Which by saying part two, he's making the assumption that he has mastered the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Do you see where there's a problem? It would be like if all of a sudden after service, Bob White came up to me and goes, Eric, Mary Beth and I have decided we are going to build a home in London, England. So how do you think we should get there? And I said, Bob, what I would do is I would jump in the water and I would swim to London, England, and then I would build your home. And then Bob turns around and says to me, okay, well, uh, do you know if there's a Home Depot in London? Okay, what are we glossing over? While Bob is slipping into his Speedo and Mary Beth's picking out countertops, there's a problem. Yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim just, whoa. <laughs> there's a problem. What's the problem? It's 3,400 nautical miles between here and London, England. And I got to be honest with you. I was in the pool with Bob when we were doing baptisms at the Anthony's this summer. I don't even know if Bob can make it to the other end of the pool. 3,400 miles. And what I feel like this guy glossed over is he went, okay, yeah, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, and understanding. Love your neighbor. So explain to me this neighbor business. Because I kind of got that figured out. Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus lists off a bunch of commandments, and what does the kid say? Well, I've followed them ever since I was a youth. It's interesting how we'll brag about how great we are to God when he knows everything about us. See, you can brag about yourself to someone who doesn't know you. But you can't brag about yourself to someone who does. Because they know. So he keeps going. He said, but wanting to justify him, he said, and who is my neighbor? And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. He will never get into this, like, all right, I'm going to put you in your place. Instead, he's going to teach. And listen to what he says. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about 18 miles long. It's a very treacherous, it's, it's in a valley, there's caves around, there's cliffs, there's all sorts of stuff. It was notorious for crime on this 18 mile, uh, mile strip. Uh, it was populated by a lot of people who would be traveling back and forth. Even Josephus, the Roman um, historian, talked about it was notorious for crime. You would never travel it alone. But here's this guy. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, how many people, when you read that, there's a part of you that goes, okay, you're kind of getting what you deserve, right? You did something very, very foolish, and now you're paying for it. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. 
their life to Christ, I pray that they would do so right now, Lord. Because there is no time like the present. And why would you want to wait to start your eternal life? Start it right now. Nurture the relationship with your loving Father. God, we thank you for this day. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, we're going to close with a song. When we're done today, there's the women's study that's going to be happening up here. I'm going with a bunch of guys over the Woodstown Diner. Today, if, you've, if you're thinking about this stuff, or you're trying to figure out this stuff, come to the diner. Come to the